Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the Good Girl Great Podcast. I'm Talia Toha. I wanted to say hello to everyone here who is new. If you guys are new here, welcome, welcome to the Good Girl Great Podcast. Great lengths segment where we take a deep dive and converse and chat with different people from all across the globe with listeners who are in 60 plus different countries of uh, this podcast and really just kind of take a deep dive and just kind of listen in on what they've been doing differently and how they've been able to get all of these amazing big changes in their lives. And today I wanted to chat with you about Gazelle Omrani. Gazelle, which is so cool, she studied fashion in the Fashion Institute of Design and then Gazelle spent years working with groups like Los Angeles County, Air Force Base in uh, Ed Edwards Air Force Base and the city of Simi Valley. And then after the birth of her kids, she started to grow her design business from scratch. And literally, guys, this is not easy, right? Because if you know having all of these things going on in your lives, it's usually very, very difficult. And so once she started doing that, she started to gain momentum and little by little, just small steps here and there. Before you know it, she started to work with names like Pottery Barn. And so today, she is going to share with us three small things that can make a big impact on us and on your lives and your growth and your career, your business, and everywhere you want to see growth. Now, she is going to share with us how she stayed sane ramping up her business at gazelledesign.com while juggling the newborns, right? She's also going to share with us the one thing she discovered that actually helped her stand out that most people can also do but often forget. So we're going to see what that is. And she is also going to share with us how she got to work with NASA and Williams-Sonoma. I am so excited to share with you Gazelle Omrani. Don't forget to hit follow and subscribe. Let's get started. All right, Gazelle, welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Exciting. Amazing. Well, welcome, welcome. And I wanted to start with a very special place, and that is your studies back in school in the Fashion Institute of Design, but also in your major in not just visual communication, but also set design, right? Not every day are we, uh, are we graced by people who are informed in set design. And so I wanted to touch on that a little bit. Can you walk us through just a little bit of that experience and what set design have or maybe have not taught um, you about interior design and some of the work that you now do uh, with later we'll talk about your work with NASA and Air Force but how did set design inform what you do right now? Set design was wonderful it gave, basically gave me the basis of starting my own business um, I love set design it was it was a lot of fun it was I learned a lot from the industry um, the only thing that, um, I didn't enjoy was every time we would put so much effort and so much time into designing the set and making it look perfect for the director and the producers and everyone, it was temporary. And I, 
I'm like, I always felt, I'm like, you know, I want to see that. I want to see a person walk in and enjoy it and, and have it forever. So and it, had, it was a lot of hours. Um, sometimes we had to work overnight. Um, but it was great. With um, I studied in um, FIDM, Fashion Institute, uh, in the year of uh, 2005. And for two years, I studied visual communication. And for set design, they took us out to um, actually Paris and Prague. And we had an intense sort of a week of learning about the history of you know, the architectures and and buildings. And it felt like, especially Prague, you would walk in and it felt like a set. You know, we always would tell each other, we're like, oh my God, this place looks like a set. But it wasn't, it was real. And it was wonderful. It was great. And that whole year that we studied, we studied set design and learning um, makeup and um, all of that. So it kind of was a whole package. But at the end, it kind of definitely gave me my basis of, of, of kind of continuing on in interior design. Yeah, and this is great because I, I happen to know a few people who are in, you know, the theater world, right, the stage, and you're absolutely right. Set design does take a long time, and I think a lot of people underappreciate the amount of effort that it takes to build them, and also the just the speediness of its dismantling, which is so sometimes heartbreaking because such gorgeous sets are created and then you're, it's gone, right? After a couple of days of, of uh, taking them all off and moving or moving them or whatever. And I think you're right in that it's such a shame to have built something so beautiful. And even if you're rebuilding it uh, to then be completely deconstructed and, or put in boxes or storage somewhere, which is kind of, um, which is kind of great. And uh, and you talk about set design being the basis of your business right now in, in interior design, obviously, your work that you're doing right now. And I always want to touch on sort of the foundations and the framework or, of where people end up or how people end up doing what they do. And I think it's mostly because, and for a lot of listeners who are business owners who maybe are entrepreneurs and they have chosen a completely different path, 180 path from where they started, a lot of times they feel like those years are wasted, which I, I, I tend to disagree. I think all of the years that we've spent doing other things do inform, you know, what you're doing, right? So let's, let's go a little bit deeper on your how set design created the basis of what you do. And you talked about Paris and Prague, when did you realize or was there a moment of realization when you uh, when you realized that okay I really want to work in interior design was that during school when you're when you are uh, studying set design or was that further along with um when, while I was doing set design it um kind of showed me the that I love architecture that was like the first thing when I would you know when we were going around Prague and Paris that was the first thing I saw I'm like oh my god this is you know it's it's beautiful it's ancient it's 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 gorgeous um and with set I love the fact that with set design I love the fact that we kind of put everything together and in time I realized I love the idea of sort of working with 
people sort of one-on-one um, relationship and have that versus, you know, with set design, we, we didn't. It was basically a team of coming in and putting everything together, very detailed um, work, really, going from, you know, the lighting has to be a perfect angle or way or um, the the vase has to be the right size. Um, and with interior design, it's it's a lot of that, but, and then some, and there's a lot more to it than, you know, it's, a, it's your home, it's your personal space. Um, but along with me studying interior design, I, I went into, um, I was actually also started working as a, in a commercial firm. And it was a lot of, it was very different, especially with, with commercial. It's very more corporate style, um, very straightforward. Um, and I loved it. It was great. But again, it still didn't have that personal touch that I wanted to, you know, that I wanted to show that I wanted to sort of um, enhance and bring into my work. This is really great. And, uh, and I wanted to kind of pause for a second and really highlight how you were doing work for commercial companies, you know, obviously big companies, corporate companies. And, and then you kind of recognize that you're really looking for that personal, not just interaction, but touch, perhaps your signature style or maybe incorporating some of your client's personalities or what have you. And I, I hear this a lot with people who are working nine to five corporate jobs. And I think a lot of our listeners are, uh, have the same experience. And I came from corporate as well. And it's really, though you're doing good work, right? It's just because of the, I guess, with the uh, obviously the regulations and all of the things that have to be included in the work, it does strip away definitely a lot of the creative juice, but also that, that sense of satisfaction, right? You just don't get that when you're working for these, these big names. And um, so was that a, a slightly difficult transition or realization for you? Or was that kind of like, oh, yes, I got this. I know exactly that I want to do more on uh, more personal work it was an it was actually an instant and it, and it happened um believe it or not um so i i was in a commercial firm for eight years and um then i got pregnant and and had a, a baby girl and when she was about a year old um we were searching for a bedroom set for her and um and there wasn't any you know, affordable ones. There were, you know, the, the life of Pottery Barn and um, um, all of that. But price point wise, it just, there wasn't any. And there was, and at that moment, I realized I want to be involved in that niche and bring that to, you know, to, to the public and, and kind of showcase that there are alternative, there, there, there are, you know, other options other than the, sort of the big brand stores. And from that, it kind of made me appreciate design as well as um, making it affordable. So it was a very, very easy um, transition, especially with the, you know, I had a new life, you know, baby and, and family. And so it was very, um, it was easy. It was an easy transition for sure. 
And what I like is that you were talking about this clarity. It's almost like a moment of clarity because you just had your kid and it's really kind of brought a laser focus understanding of what you want to do and what you don't want to do, right? And I think a lot of people talk about this when they talk about that phase in life when they're transitioning and they're changing careers, right? Or maybe they're starting a business. And a lot of it usually comes from, let's be frank, you know, family situations or your life situations changing. In your case, it was a kid. Um, In some people's cases, it was maybe divorce or getting married or moving to another state or whatever. And um, was there, did you... Uh, was it because you wanted to spend more time with the kids or was it more something that you talked to with your partner or husband or whatever? Um, or is that kind of, is it more functional, that decision? I, it definitely gave me the, um, it gave me the option of being with my family more. You know, if I was going to go back to that corporate, you know, sort of business model, it was a, it would have been a very, it would have been more than a full-time job. Um, let's be honest. You know, I, I used to be at the office until midnight, you know, kind of double checking my own work. And um, so it was, it was, it was, it was a lot of work. And when I, when that hit, when, when that idea kind of came in, it was sort of a aha moment. I'm like, you know what? I could do my own, I could open my own business. I can, this is my niche. I know all about it. And it kind of gave me the flexibility to be with my family, you know, kind of providing that stay-at-home mom feel to my, my baby, but also be able to still do what I love. And that's, you know, designing, essentially. Yeah, and I actually, and I'm, I'm so happy that you made that transition. And as a, uh, a parent myself, I'm kind of curious how you made that transition when the the kid is really small, right? And I think a lot of people underestimate just how much effort it takes to start something anytime, let alone when your baby girl or baby baby boy is is tiny, right? And they're needing your constant help. They're needing you to be there all the time. Was there, and this is to sub in for the audience who are, maybe in the position that you were in years ago, uh, just transitioning and changing their career paths and business path. Was there a moment when you doubted, oh my goodness, this is kind of, this is not going to work because, you know, the girl's been up all night and now I'm like, you know, bags under my eyes all the time. Uh, Walk us through maybe some of those moments when, you know, it could have gone the other way. Opening up a business and making it yours, it won't be a, you know, easy task. But as long as you're constantly pushing yourself into your goal, and you have to have a goal with any business, you have to have an idea of what you want to achieve in in your business. And for me, it was my process was, I'm going to start opening up accounts with manufacturers where I can sell direct versus my clients going into, you know, um, I'm not sure which company would have um, furniture, but they would go through a middleman to get to me. I was the one-stop shop. And I, I went through that to see if there is, you know, sort of a lack of 
design and selling furniture and at the same time being affordable. So I kind of said that in my mind that I'm going to achieve that. And, and sooner or later, you know, you're going to come up with more ideas of how to make it better. And the best part of it all is that it's, it's in your hands. It's your time. You can kind of tone it down a bit if you think that, you know, your child, your boy or girl needs your extra attention, but you can still go back, you know, and kind of bounce back and make it even better. So that was a lot for me. I mean, I, I had to go back and forth a lot with that. Um, but in time, it, it worked. And, and it worked great, actually. Okay, and this is great. We, I can highlight, like, I just underline a few things and unpack what you just said uh, for the audience who's listening because you went through the process of, okay, where is there a need? Where is there a gap, right? And uh, where, how can I fill that, that gap? And you're talking about, specifically in your case, obviously, the, just taking out the middleman and just kind of being the one-stop shop, which is amazing. And for all the business owners who are, or future business owners who are thinking about doing something new in a space that's fairly competitive, this is definitely an approach that you can emulate uh, from Gazelle is basically find where you can connect the dots and maybe find where you can stand out. And in Gazelle's case, she has found a way to do it e-commerce, right? And, and just kind of recreating the model a little bit. And, um, and I'm sure it's not very easy to start. And I'm glad that you shared a couple of stories on how you, you started the whole thing with your baby and everything. And I wanted to, though, before we dive further into the e-commerce and what you're doing right now, uh, touch on your previous work with NASA. And obviously, you work with Air Force as well. And I recently spoke with someone who also had uh, dealings with NASA as well. And I think for a lot of people who knows about NASA, they kind of imagine it as this big pie in the sky, difficult to touch, right? And I'm almost like an organism and well-oiled machine. Uh, her story, this other person's story, was actually quite the opposite, that they kind of go with, a, a lot of them are improvised, which is not a very comfortable feeling for most other people to to realize that one of the biggest institutions, not just in the country, but in the world, who's looking to land on the moon is also still workshopping a lot of important elements. So what was your experience with NASA and, um, and maybe how did that inform your business a little bit? With NASA, it was, and, and also Edwards Air Force Base. I mean, they were both amazing. Um, it was a process for sure. Um, we had to go through a lot of um, security and, and kind of um, checking backgrounds and whatnot and but once we were sort of once we got the contract and that was the thing and you had to go through a lot of contracts and bids to get the project but once we won the bid um, we were able to sort of connect with the customer um, on daily basis we would um, at one point it was it was great actually we um, walked into this huge space and this was in NASA and it was sort of um, soundproofed um, it was huge, but we would walk in and I had to literally measure the entire warehouse to, and, and, and they were asking me, we need to know how many, um, station cubicles you're able to fit in here because we are starting this new project and it's sort of, we can't tell you what it is, but it's going to be 
you know, it was obviously a, a secret project, but I had to literally go in and, and tell them how many offices and stations they could fit in there. And they all had to be ergonomically correct. You know, they had to sit properly with their keyboard. So all of that was the, the sort of the technical side that I learned in that business. And a lot of times now I use, you know, the whole ergonomic, um, business side of it which is huge you you know that would be another niche that anyone can get into is to learn that especially nowadays that we're in um, our homes with um, you know having home office there I'm sure there are a lot of of us out there that are not even sitting ergonomically correct or um, with our keyboards at the top of the table versus having an actual pullout kit um, keyboard. So there's a lot to that. And I definitely bring that to my clients. And if they ever um, need that information, or they need that help with with their home, or, you know, even their small offices. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you brought up the work from home situation because it has changed. And I think maybe the cases of I was speaking to a chiropractic, a chiropractor, I should say, just a few weeks ago, and he had said that the number of patients that he sees had increased because nobody has good chairs at their homes, right? And nobody has at least workstations that are primed for you being there for hours and hours and hours at a time, which in some most offices now have, but even then still not really uh, all that great, right? I think now home offices is really becoming this place of opportunity for everyone to create really the life and work uh, style that they're looking for, right? And, um, and I like that you had mentioned how NASA does have those regulations and just specificity. And I think um, just kind of a quick note here for the listeners who are workshopping, okay, who do I serve as a business? Um, You can definitely serve bigger clients, customers, right? But bear in mind, obviously, that you do have to not so much bend down to the rules, but you have to work around that because that's, uh, that's really part of the operations versus Uh, Like you were saying, Gazelle, when you're talking about working personally one-on-one, there's a lot more creativity, uh, the process a little bit more organic, and you're really, uh, you're a big part of it, right? So that's something that I want to highlight for all of those who are still workshopping in their business. And um, I, let's talk a little bit here about your work now, uh, you know, that you have transitioned into and uh, becoming an interior decorator, right, and stylist, and just kind of figuring out that niche that you don't want people to overspend, but it's still functional, right? For the listeners who are right now working from home, and they're all obviously looking for solutions, small or large, to create homes that uh, that make sense for them, what are some you know aside from going to you know to learn a little bit more about you, which they can do that at the end of the episode, but what are some quick wins that you can provide for them as far as hey gazelle, I really want to feel good about my workspace at home, and right now everything is it feels like a clutter like where should they start and how should they start they should definitely. I believe it with anything. It doesn't even have to be your office. But the one thing that every everyone should do is 
uh, I call it basically spring cleaning. You know, you have to um, sort of get organized first before anything else. You have to declutter. And I know we have, we love to hold on to every single paper, but now everything is digitized. You know, you can literally, you can go on your, your um, phone and take a scan and just scan it and save it on your phone. So they, those can all be, be implemented into your office and you with that it kind of gives you a sigh of relief when your workspace is um, semi-empty you know it kind of gives you clarity of being able to to work better and and, and come up with ideas better because it's just in front of you there's not going to be piles and piles of paper kind of sitting and waiting for you to to finish versus you know if it's on your phone you know you have to do that and it's a task but it's just a simple phone um so that's one thing that i think the um everyone um, should kind of benefit from and, and declutter and organize and label and sort of do color coding. It kind of, it gives you a better feel. The second most important thing that I believe um, should be implemented is uh, lighting. Your lighting has to be, um, you know, perfect. <laughs> better lack of, it has, you have to have good lighting in your space or else you're going to feel I, I believe you feel like, you know, not, you, you don't feel good about yourself. You don't feel happy and you want that in your space. You want to feel, um, you, ha you want to have that energy to be able to work and continue to work. Um, so those are my, my, um, thoughts and ideas. I mean, you can even go take it further and, um, put some colors, you know, a, a pretty color that you, it's your favorite that you know, that will give you that energy and, and happiness, you know, that feel good moment when you look at it. And, um, it could continue from there. You know, there's so many different um, details that you can add to your space. Yeah, and this seems to be a recurring theme because I think a lot of people who are not designers and they're looking to improve their home space, they don't necessarily think about, uh, I feel like they're either veering more towards the functionality, like, okay, how much space will this will this save or how much can it store or whatever, or on the other side of the spectrum, they veer maybe too highly on the aesthetics and not really thinking about how that aesthetics can or cannot impact what you are saying, the feeling and yeah. some of the, the, the emotions that get conjured up, right? And um, I'm kind of interested in hearing about, uh, because obviously we're just talking about the regular homeowners, uh, I'm interested to hear a little bit about your some of your partnered vendors, right? And, um, you know, you have Pottery Barn, West Elm, Rejuvenation, and all of these amazing uh, vendors. When they, when you guys are, you know, maybe sitting down at the negotiations table or maybe, or whatever, having a virtual conference, what are some of the, the, maybe topics or subjects or concerns that they raise, um, you know, when they are trying to decide whether or not to partner up with you. And this is for the audience who have also a similar business who where, uh, where they do partner with brands and all of these other things. Well, the majority of times that we, I kind of talk with um, uh, one of the actually vendors that I spoke with um, and the main thing that I always explain to them and I talk to, to them about 
the need and what the clients need is um, sort of the, again, I'm going to say it, being affordable um, and, and also functionality for it to be also functional. I mean, I've seen um, like paintings that go, um, or not paintings, but lightings or whatever that are so um, unfortunately expensive. It just doesn't make sense in our new norm, you know, in our lifestyle right now. Um, and it, it, at some point it just, you know, there's a function to it. Yes, it turns on, <laughs> but, but why does it have to be that, you know, and it, it becomes sort of the, when the, and when the big brand name um, companies come into play and um, kind of, a, I don't want to say give it at cost, but essentially they do just right. to kind of make the sale. So it becomes, it becomes a time where I always say, you know, price is always the factor, you know, it always wins at the, at the end of the day and also functionality, quality, which I kind of I'm seeing right now that is it's kind of, going down unfortunately with the quality of furnitures that are being produced um and and you know some of my clients come and say i don't understand you know why did it why is this why is this not working why does it so plasticky well i'm like well because you paid twenty dollars for a light <laughs> what do you expect you know so it quality functionality and price are the main factors of, of everything in, in design and, and, you know, furniture, really. Yeah, this is great because I, I think for the longest time, and I'm sure now brands are picking up on this a little bit, but for a long, long time, I remember thinking like, why do these furniture have to be so expensive, right? And I'm sure there's production and distribution costs built into it and everything. But, you know, at the same time, you're just kind of like, well, I don't want to pay like $3,000 for like a chair that I may or may not want to keep in five years, right? Because uh, I think particularly now, people are moving a lot, right? And they're with their kids growing up. I think because people's lives are so fast paced, to your point, those three things are important that it's affordable, right? So that you can kind of maybe buy another one or another version as you move somewhere else. But the quality is also important because you are moving somewhere else or you're trying to uh, you know, maybe buy a bed that your kids can then jump on for 10 years, you know, and, and not break, right? And, and still be functional, right? All of those three points that you were saying. So these are all great. And I think business owners and entrepreneurs and definitely even career professionals who are looking to improve their work can definitely take notes on uh, your approach of, of basically finding these three main kind of pillars almost that's important that you reiterate with the brands that you work with your partners and also your clients and people that you are you're working uh, working with and, and serving which is great so um so gazelle believe it or not we are coming to the conclusion of our conversation so if you can please share with the audience where they can learn more about you and we'll wrap up the interview Yes, absolutely. You guys, everyone can visit my website, gazelledesign.com, G-H-A-Z-E-L design.com. And everything that you like to learn about me and my business and where to shop um, is all in that um, little site. <laughs> Amazing. Gazelle, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.